Welcome to Glasgow Evangelicals Podcast. Thanks for listening with us today. Our hope is that today's sermon equips you to live the gospel joyously. Come along with us as we learn to live the gospel together. So if you haven't guessed it already yet, we're uh, entering into a new book in our church. Uh, We're actually going to be going through the book of Hebrews together for the next little while. I don't know if it's going to take us 13 weeks or if it's going to take us seven weeks, but we are going to just take a chunk of scripture and, and the whole entire book of Hebrews together and walk through it. And so every week we're going to, at least in some way, read the whole entire scripture of what we're doing. And so today we read Hebrews chapter one together. And so if you have your Bible, why don't you open up to Hebrews chapter one with me and you can put your finger in there and we'll be going back into that constantly to keep looking at it. So here's the deal. I, uh, I get nervous when I come to things like this because this is a little bit more teaching than um, I'm used to. I'm not a teacher. Um, I am not somebody who knows how to dive into something really well and parse everything out for you and all of that sort of stuff. And so it's a little bit more of teaching for me than preaching, in which is kind of funny because... When it comes to preaching, I think that I'm supposed to be funny when I'm up here. I don't understand why that happens, and so I laugh a lot at a lot of my own jokes. And so this morning, when I was in my office thinking about teaching this, um, I thought, man, you're not going to say anything funny, and people won't laugh at you. How are they going to like you? And so that was Satan kind of, you know, attacking me. And so today is going to be really fun because... uh, Man, I've, I've been really excited to get into Hebrews, and let me tell you why. So I have a Tuesday morning meeting group with, uh, with some guys, a bunch of us. If you don't have a meeting group on Tuesday mornings, hey, loaded toad, 7 o'clock, come. Uh, and so we were going through the book of Hebrews, and I just kept on remembering uh, when I was in a Bible quiz. Okay, growing up when I was in high school uh, in the Nazarene church, we had this thing called Bible quiz and you would actually travel all over the state of Montana and Idaho and you'd sit on these little buzzers on your seat, right? And so, and they would ask you a question and whoever could pop off their seat the quickest could like, uh, then the light would go off and you know who would answer and you'd walk up and you'd, you'd answer it, right? And then you go back down. I never was ever quick enough. I couldn't figure out how to clinch my butt cheek well, well enough or something. And so, um, and so I, I remember this kid, right? Because you had the Bible quiz and then you had the like memorization So you could, at different chunks during the year, you would actually memorize the whole entire book. And we happened to be going through Hebrews. And so um, I always wanted to be that guy who was like, I'm going to remember all of this, right? But I didn't care really about the Bible much when I was in high school, but I cared about trips for some reason and hanging out with girls. And so um, my girlfriend would come on these trips. So anyway, that's beside the point. We weren't through Hebrews. Hebrews is still stuck with me to this day. Um, it's, it's hilarious about how much I might remember, oh, I remember that now, or going through all of these things. And so those of us who have been in Awana, hey, we're shocked by how much all that Bible memorization comes. And so then uh, we went through the book of Hebrews together uh, as this men's group. And I was just like, man, I, I really love this. It has so much doctrine 
And I'm going to talk about what doctrine is in just a little bit. It has so much of an understanding of who Jesus Christ is. And if there's anything that we know about this church, it is that we want to make sure that Jesus is the center of everything we do. And so if Jesus is the center of Hebrews, man, we're really excited to do this. And so I told Brian that I wanted to go through Hebrews. And so we were at this T4G conference together and I'm sitting there and Brian's like, would you just preach through Hebrews? Just pre and I'm like, I don't know if I could do this, right? And so I'm sitting there and I, David Platt is about to come on. And if you know anything about David Platt, um, like for me and Brian, if you had like rock star people you'd want to go meet, David Platt would be our guy, right? And so uh, David Platt was about to come on and I was just sitting there going, God, I, what, what should we be preaching through? And I'm like, like, I know, we're going to preach through Revelation, right? So totally, like, uh, didn't even want to talk about Hebrews. And so we, uh, that night afterwards, I'm like, okay, I'm not going through Hebrews. And so we go to this uh, place where they have all these, all these uh commentaries. And the guy's like, you should, you should buy this. So right after we get done listening to David Platt, we go to the bookstore. And I looked at the guy and I said, if there's anything here that you love commentary wise, what would you, what would you love me to like read? Because he wants me to take this book and just try it so I can come back and buy it. What, like any good salesman. And so he's like, my favorite is Hebrews. And I look at Brian, I'm like, you, right? And so we go back to T4G the next morning and I'm reading it and I'm loving it. We go back and so we listen to another great guy um, and we leave the conference that time. And every time you came to the conference, you got a free book. And every time you left the session, you got a free book. And so uh, we got something like 29 books in total. It was just crazy. And so anyway, uh, that morning after we left the conference, the commentary that we got from a completely different source, guess what? was Hebrews, right? And so I'm like, fine, we'll teach through Hebrews. And so I'm really excited to do that this morning. But here's the deal. My aim for this morning before we pray is to get the introduction of what Hebrews is all about, is to really look at, uh, man, here's what the book is going to be teaching us. If you're like me, um, and I learned this from Jay, is before you ever dive into any book, you should always read the introduction. Because sometimes the introduction actually will tell you that you don't have to read the rest of the book, right? Um, or sometimes the introduction will tell you, this is how I've laid out the book for you to understand it. And I think that the very first three verses in Hebrews does just that, is going to lay out the whole entire book for us. And so um, I, I want to go into a little bit about that, talk about the author, and talk about just, man, who are the people that they're writing to? Cool beans? Let's pray. Hey, dear Heavenly Father, God, as we come this morning to your word, would we remember that it is your word? It has the power to change hearts. It has the power to change directions in our lives. It has the power to uh, show us what's wrong because your Holy Spirit is speaking to us constantly. And it is through your son, Jesus Christ, that we can even come and, and have understanding. And so God, this morning, would you allow us to recognize that your Holy Spirit is already here? God, that you guide and direct and that you help us figure things out. And so as we jump into this book, 
would you help it just to uh, show us your greatness once again? In your holy name we pray. Amen. So here's the deal. If you want to, you can take notes and I'm going to give you all three of your points right now. And you can just then go, oh, I'm just going to listen to Seth Runner um, or you can follow along. But here's what I want to get across to you today is that I see the introduction of Hebrews only in chapters 1, 1 through 3. That's it. So in three verses, we're going to get what the whole entire book of Hebrews is about. And so the first is this. In the introduction, the author wants us to realize that God has been speaking, that we have a God who speaks. The second is that, uh, is that Jesus is God's revelation in the last days. And thirdly, is that we need to see the supremacy of Jesus. And I'm a, that's a big word, and I'm going to unpack that for you, but the supremacy of Jesus, understand that. So before we get into all of that here, let's talk about the author of who wrote Hebrews. It's actually not known who the author of the book of Hebrews is. And I'm not going to get bogged down into the possibilities of which author that is. But this is what I find fascinating, that Hebrews is explicitly trying to connect the Old and the New Testament together. For the people who he's writing to, or she is writing to. The author is writing specifically to Jews who have been converted to Christianity. In fact, actually, you could say this, that this is written to the Jews for Jesus. These are people who know the Old Testament well. And it was probably actually written before about 80, 70. So it was written before the destruction of the temple. Because um, the author quite honestly keeps going back to the importance of the sacrificial system for the Jews. And so that had not been uh, destroyed yet. So the temple is still working. People are still sacrificing. And he's trying to sit here and say, this is what's going on. This is what Jesus is doing for us. And so to kind of bolster and help out the Jews. The Old Testament, which I find phenomenal. So we're still talking about the author. The Old Testament in Genesis 1-1 starts with this. In the beginning, God. And so we know that Moses wrote that, but Moses definitely wasn't in the beginning. And so he was allowing the Holy Spirit to speak through him as he's writing down. And I love this fact that Hebrew starts with this. Long ago, and in many ways, God spoke. And so, since Hebrew starts with that, here's what I'm positing for us today is that God wrote the book of Hebrews. Cool beans, we good with that? God wrote it, awesome, good. The Bible is the word of God breathed. It is authoritative, it is inerrant, inerrant which means this, it's incapable of being wrong. What is often wrong, I think, is our interpretation of the Bible. And so the Bible is sufficient, the Bible is understandable, the Bible is necessary, the Bible is timeless and always pointing to Jesus. So, and notice all statement once again, the author of Hebrews is God. 
So if we're going to look at the introduction of the first three verses of this passage, Tony, would you pull those three back up for me once again? Here we go. I'm going to read them to you. This is packed with so much and crazy, but we're, we're going to get there. Long ago and many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But, but in those, these days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom, all, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. If that doesn't want to bring you to your knees, I'm not sure what can. Because here's the deal, in these three verses, and, and I'm going to tell you that I was kind of blown away too, because as I was just, you, we can easily read on, right? We can just go, oh, great, that's some good words. Those are, those are some really good things. Even, in fact, actually, we could have just gone, hey, I just read a whole entire chapter, we're good. But in these three verses, let me tell you that it, it, it talks about three points of our doctrine within our church. And so let me tell you what, our doct what doctrine means is this. Doctrine is a belief or set of beliefs held and taught by the church. That's what a doctrine is. And so anytime you might hear me tell you this is the doctrine, this is where it is our basis of our, our little, man, if you could boil down, this is what we believe as a church. That's what our doctrine is, is that's where we push everything out of. That's how we have our thought process. And so within this little scripture, six things happen. It tells us that the divine revelation is from God, right? That anything we know, anything we understand is from God, that we have a God who speaks. That's the basic form. It talks about where creation comes from. It talks about who Christ is. It talks about even the Trinity, talks about the relationship between the Old and the New Testament. And it talks about the atonement for sin that Jesus Christ offers. Just in those three verses, those six are pulled out there. It doesn't mean that it says everything we need to know about that, but it actually is saying that this is where we're going to go. We're going to talk about how God reveals himself. We're going to talk about the creation. We're going to talk about who Jesus Christ is. We're going to reveal to you what the Trinity is all about. We're going to show you that the Old Testament and the New Testament are not separate, but they are together. And we're going to talk about how Jesus Christ gives forgiveness of sin. And in this 10, I'm sorry, in this three verses, we find 10 aspects of Christ himself. First thing it says is, and I'm not going to go through there. You can research these on your own, but Christ is the Son of God. Christ is the revelation of God. Christ is the fulfillment of God's revelation in the Old Testament. Christ is the heir of all things. Christ is the, creation, the agent of creation. Christ is the radiance of God's glory. Christ is the expression of God's nature. Christ is the preserver of all creation. Christ is the purifier of God's people. And Christ is is the mediator of God's people. This introduction is packed with stuff for us to unfold. We can't ignore it this morning, and we've got to just dive into it a little bit more. So, here we go. The first introduction point that I had said back a while ago is, we need to realize that we have a God who speaks. 
right away in 1-1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Let's just take a really cool, man, maybe inventory of this. Do you realize that we have a God who speaks? All other gods, okay, all other small G gods, the things that we kind of create, have never spoken to man. We've created stories about them and we've said, ah, well, this God does this and this God needs this sacrifice. God, in the midst of the Old Testament, came to a man named Abraham and said, I am different than every single God that you guys have tried to follow. In fact, actually, Abraham comes later on when he's about to sacrifice his son. He continually says, this is the God that provides This is the God who's been speaking to me. No other God had ever done that in the midst of history. And God enters in. We have a God who replies. We have a God who desires to show his creation, how he's created them, and speak to his creation. I mean, for goodness sakes, in Genesis 1, 1 through 3, God is continually walking in the garden with Adam and Eve. So I want you to realize something. God is speaking. Are you willing to listen? That's divine revelation right there. And it is actually, essentially, grace. You don't really actually deserve God to speak to you. You don't deserve God's presence in your life because he's the one that created you. But God is consistently saying, don't hide from me. Allow me to speak to you. I wonder how many of us speak to God and tell him what what is up and what we want him to do. You know, in fact, actually, there's in the Bible, we look at two ways in which God reveals himself. And the first one is this, and it's referred to as what we would call actually general revelation. Psalms 19, 1 through 2 say this, that the heavens declare the glory of God and the skies open proclaiming his handiwork. Day to day, pour out speech pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. Romans 1.20 says, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. But I'm here to tell you that just because we have general revelation actually doesn't bring us to a point of a saving knowledge of God. It just is continually pointing over and over again that we need to realize that there is a God and he's revealed himself in all of creation and should point us to actually search out what's really going on. And then there's what we call in the theological world the special revelation 
to our forefathers by the prophets. This revelation is given through the prophets and brought in actually various ways in the Bible. Sometimes it's through parables. Sometimes it's through historical narratives of the old, uh, the, the prophets just going, this is what's going to be happening. Sometimes it's from prophetic people that people come up and say, this is what's going on. This is what's going to happen. Sometimes it's through Psalms. Sometimes it's through Proverbs. I'll give you some examples. Uh, God spoke to Moses by a burning bush. God spoke to Elijah by a still small voice. If you want to read that, uh, that one, it's a powerful, uh, powerful chapter, 1 Kings 19. He spoke to Isaiah, Isaiah by heavenly visions. He spoke to Hosea by a family crisis. He spoke to Amos by a basket of fruit. And then the time between the Old Testament and when Jesus came along was about 500 years and people thought that God stopped speaking. And this is where Hebrew picks up and declares that God is speaking and he's speaking through Jesus Christ. He speaks to us today through his word and to his Holy Spirit because of Jesus Christ. And so... Which brings us to our next point, is that Jesus is God's revelation in the last days. And I want to talk about the last days a little bit, okay? Because I'm not saying that, I'm not talking about the end of the world here, okay? I'm talking about in these last days, what's been going on is that God has been speaking through Jesus Christ. The people and the authors would understand this, that this would be the last few times that you understand that God has been speaking to us. You just think he hasn't been speaking. You've been waiting for some huge prophetic thing that happened and Jesus was what happened. Now you need to realize what he has spoken. But also, I think that the author is smart enough to also say, but Jesus is speaking in the last days the days to come, that Jesus will be and continue to be our divine revelation of God, of how things happen, how things go along, because we're going to find out later on when I talk about the supremacy of Jesus, that really, when he's talking about the last days, he's talking about what has happened. Jesus has been speaking to that, and Jesus has an answer for all of those in the future. Are you willing to listen? And so... I want you to understand this really quickly, that God has spoken by Jesus, not through Jesus. That's a, this is a huge thing that you guys need to, need to understand in terms of who Jesus is. God's not just giving him power, Jesus power and then speaking through him. No, God by Jesus is speaking. So that has a lot of implications for us to understand. It's not like Jesus, it's not like Moses just got this special thing and then he's got to impart it. No, Jesus knows what's going on. Jesus already has the ability to tell us everything that's going on. He doesn't need some special Holy Spirit but he has the Holy Spirit. And we'll get into those as it comes on more and more in the scripture. 
But in these last days, in Hebrews 1, 2, it says, But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom all also he created the world. It is incredibly clear that the author of Hebrews, God, is trying to tell us that he has completely revealed himself by Jesus Christ. If you need to know anything about who God is and the character of who God is and how he views the world, we, we have to only look at Jesus Christ. In the Son, we find our ability also to access and to allow God to be revealed to us at any time. We don't need a prophet anymore. We don't need somebody special to come down. What we need is an understanding of who Jesus Christ is and a belief in his death, burial, and resurrection. So that what he says is that the Holy Spirit comes and fills us and teaches us all the ways that we need. This is different from any other prophet. He is not giving some actually special revelation to a prophet. He's literally speaking to us by Jesus Christ. Which then, I love this idea. It is God himself speaking in the last days. This is, this is phenomenal to me. We don't need a special prophet. This is God saying, I'm coming to you. I'm clearing out all the ways. I'm getting rid of everything that has hindered us to have a relationship together. And I am coming to you. And let us be careful about this. And this is where I want to drive. Well, not, I, don't, I'm, I keep on saying words like that. I'm not going to. Let us be careful not to say that Jesus is anything less than God. There's a lot of people out there that say either Jesus was a good prophet or, man, he was the son of God, but man, he wasn't really God himself. God just made him a special person. No, we need to realize this. This is doctrinal for us, all right? Here we go. Jesus is God. And we'll get into that as we go. 100% man and 100% God. Because if we don't, if we don't realize that Jesus is God, that Jesus is God, then that would lessen the gospel, that would lessen the gospel for us. That forgiveness actually couldn't be offer, offered through Jesus. That grace and or mercy couldn't be for our sin if Jesus wasn't God. It had to be perfect. And also Jesus not only was the fulfillment of the Old Testament because he was given all authority because of being the rightful heir. This is, uh, this is also unbelievable to me. That because Jesus was given all authority, that means that he did the whole entire law in the Old Testament. Oftentimes we get this confused a little bit that we say things like he didn't, he, uh, he didn't, he came to fulfill the law, not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. The reason why he came to fulfill it is because then he could be the rightful heir of all things. John 14, 6 through 7 says this. 
Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Jesus is the revelation, is God's revelation for this present day. John 1 through 3, John 1, 1 through 3 then says this. I love this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. If you haven't gotten that picture yet, Jesus is God. And the third point, and we're getting through this quickly here. Sorry, some of you are like, this isn't quickly. Third point, here we go. You need to understand in this introduction the supremacy of Jesus. And here we go. And these are the characters of Jesus. Starting in 1-3, here we go. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Let's unpack this together. Start with the very first one. He is the radiance of glory of God. Brian has been using this word crazily because he, he got it. And so you can write this because he's really excited about it. This word is infulgence. Okay, you can, you can write that. Is, did I say that right? Efulgence, not infulgence, sorry, efulgence. See, I was looking up different words, but efulgence, you can write that up uh, down on your thing. And then my word for this week, ready for this, is the Hebrew word. Uh, and I'm going to butcher this and that's okay. Because um, when I first looked at it, I was like shock and awe. It's Shekinah, but the reason why I love it, shock and awe, because it's shock and awe. Get it? Okay, great. Sorry. I thought that would be funny, but nope. All right. So there's this reference in the Old Testament. The effulgence is this. It is that it is the exact radiance, the brightness of God. It is the source of light. It is the source of light. It is not the beams coming off. It is not the rays that we get from the sun. It is the sun. It is the complete radiance of God. In fact, actually, we see this in Exodus 13, 21. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. This literally is God going before them in this scripture of them walking into, uh, out of Egypt and into the promised land. That God himself was leading them. This wasn't just a, a, just a light somewhere. No, this was God right here. Exodus 40, 34 through 35 says this. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. He was there. The source was there. 
1 Kings 8, 10 through 11 says this, And when the priests came out of the holy place, a cloud filled the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. And Hebrews is telling us that this exact thing was walking among us. That the light, the source of all creation, was Jesus Christ walking among us. Jesus was no small thing. He, he is the brightness of God. He is the radiance. He is the source of light. Another way of saying it is going back to that verse is he is the exact imprint of his nature. He is the exact imprint and character of who God is. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. All Jesus has to do is speak it. And the funny thing I think about is when he was mocked while he was on the cross and they said, show how great you are by taking yourself off the cross. But instead, Jesus understands that it's not him getting off the cross. It is him staying on the cross so that he could show the exact character and be able to offer forgiveness and being able to offer mercy to us. Because, it says this, after making purification for sins. Jesus is the one, is God, speaking to us, revealing who God is, and saying, here I am. I am offering forgiveness. I am offering the purification for your sins, which the Old Testament was all about. That you have to sacrifice, that you have to do all these things so you can be made right with God. And instead, we didn't have to do anything to be made right with God except for believe how God was sending his son to speak to us. This is the gospel, that we are purified from our sin. And because of this, we have the Holy Spirit to give us revelation in these days. And then, if that wasn't amazing enough, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Sitting down at the right hand means that you have all the power that the person on the throne has. He has been given all power and authority. And finally, actually today, I know that's been pretty weighty, but I, I want to kind of get into a little bit of application. Okay, great, Seth. That's awesome. Thank you very much for sharing with us. How does that actually help me out tomorrow as I try to get through work? If we read the first verse over again, in which it says that God spoke long ago and in many ways and in the present age, I think we have to ask the question, how then should we read the whole entire Bible? Hebrews in the book of Hebrews, the Old Testament references in the book of Hebrews are many, actually. In fact, actually, 82 references back to the Old Testament 
in the book of Hebrews. There's 13 chapters in the book of Hebrews. And so I'm not doing the math for you guys, but just do the math. 82 divided by 13. That's how many references are over and over again in almost every chapter. 29, are direct, 29 places in the book of Hebrews are direct quotations. 53 allusions. And allusions are just going back and saying, hey, remember back in the Old Testament, this is what was going on. And so often in our walk with God, we want to only pick the verses that really are good for us. And so I kind of want to change a little bit of a mindset for you guys in, in the application of Hebrews as we move forward. As you realize that God is speaking and is that Jesus is God's revelation for the last days and that Jesus is supreme. Here are some ways in which we need to remember reading through the whole entire scriptures, especially the Old Testament, because I think we're going to be going back to that a lot, is that this, is that the God of the Old Testament is the same as the God of the New Testament. So oftentimes we read things in the Old Testament that we want to say, that doesn't match up with what I like, and so I'm just going to forget all those things and only read the New Testament. I don't, un- I don't think that we can understand the New Testament unless we've seen where we've been. So, I need you to understand that God, the God of the Old Testament, is the same as the God of the New. And we're going to get into that more and more as we go on. Because there are some places in the Old Testament where I go, ah, I just have a hard time matching that up. But that's okay. Because we're going to talk about that. You need to also realize that the Old Testament bears witness to Christ over and over and over and over again. And I think this is where the author wants all the Jews for Jesus to understand. He wants them to understand that the Old Testament is constantly pointing back to Jesus. In fact, actually, um, there's two Bibles that I, two uh, translations that I actually preach from up here. Why do I keep on saying actually? Can you... Tuesday morning. Bring that up, okay? Awesome, great. Um, there's two Bible translations that I preach from. Uh, the New Living Translation, okay? And I just, uh, I picked up this book because I love it. It's called the Jesus-Centered Bible. And so if you're looking for a Bible or you uh, want me to buy you a Bible, you can come up and ask me for this. I'll give you this one. Uh, but in this one I love because all the New Testament has red letters from where Jesus spoke and all the Old Testament has blue letters in which it talks about Jesus. And I'm shocked by how often just these little verses that I'm like, oh, I didn't, I didn't understand that. Oh, man. Pick it up. Jesus-centered Bible. It's a New Living Translation. Get it? If you're the first one to come up, I'll give you this one. All right, great. Uh, and then if you're like, man, I would really love how do I get this into some of my older, my younger kids? Uh, there's a Bible that my wife absolutely, my wife and I absolutely love to read to our kids. And it's the Jesus Storybook Bible. And uh, it is a fantastic Bible. In fact, actually, that's the Bible that when we go down to Haiti, we get it in Creole and then we hand it out to everybody because every single story of the Old Testament says this is how it's important that Jesus is coming. 
And so for every single thing, it's continually going back to kids, be waiting for Jesus, look for Jesus. And that book is called the Jesus Storybook Bible. And I don't have any copies of that, sorry, because those would be at home. I don't read those in my office. All right. The last thing is this, is that please do not ignore the Old Testament. Please do not ignore the Old Testament as we're going through. Um, please be looking for ways in which when you read your Bible, you continually go back and go, ah, I get it. Oh man, I understand this. This is how it's happening. The rest of Hebrews is going to allow us to get a bit more comfortable with understanding the Old Testament. And so we can't actually resent or ignore or dismiss or, man, uncritically exalt the Old Testament. This is where I love this is Christ did not come to, we always talk about the fulfilling, but here's the deal. Christ did not come to abolish the Old Testament, but to fulfill it. Christ in his supremacy is trying to tell us over and over again that the Old Testament is where we find how to live our life. This still has ability to, to speak into us. This still has the ability to show us right from wrong. And then Jesus, in his revelation to us, continues to just fill in the gaps of sometimes how we want to walk away from it. We always must remember that the Bible starts with Genesis not Matthew. 2 Timothy actually says some great things in 3.16. And we're going to skip through that really quickly. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for the training in righteousness. All of scripture, not just the ones you love. Romans 15.4 says this, for whatever was written in the former days, former days, was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scripture, we might have hope. That's what it's about, is that we have hope. And I want to leave you actually with a downer verse. But I'm, I'm going to bring it to excitement here. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. And you don't, I know you don't have it, Tony, so that's fine. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. But understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. And Hebrews says to us, allow Christ to change everything about that. That that doesn't have to be a picture of who we are. That doesn't have to define us. That just helps us to realize that that is what's going on. And every single thing in this Bible, through Jesus Christ, by Jesus Christ, allows us 
to know that we don't have to be this way. And so Hebrews, I think, is the book of hope for us. And I'm excited for the weeks to come to show us that. That we can worship God for who he truly, truly is. That he is above all things and we can worship him. I'm going to ask the worship band to come up and I'll pray for us. And dear Heavenly Father, God, I, I am excited for your book of Hebrews because Jesus Christ is the center of it. And we get to worship him. And we get to live by your Holy Spirit who's been given to us. God, we thank you for your greatness in our lives. God, would we realize and would we accept your son and that we don't have to be marked by all the things in second timothy but that we would have hope to be able to be changed by your word which is sharper than any double-edged sword thank you for the book of hebrews and i'm excited to get into it in your name we pray amen the next 10 verses in Hebrews, which we didn't go over, um, discuss angels and how Jesus is higher than them. Not that they're not real, not that they're not worthy of looking at, but that Jesus is higher than them. And the problem that some of the uh, Jews for Jesus were having is they were making their religion about more than Jesus. They were making it about angels. And who's your guardian angel? And when your mom dies, she becomes this and your grandma becomes that and they protect you in car accidents or chariot accidents. Um, they, they watch over you, they do this. And so this, this whole thing became about the spirituality of how many angels do you have and do you know and can you experience have you seen? And, and I'm not going to get into angelology. I do want us to know the Jesusology of this, though, is that Jesus is the effulgence of God's love. And so I, as Seth was saying that, like seconds before, I texted an image to Tony to put up on the screen. Um, so yeah, it is the word I'm going with when I read this, I'm sorry. But uh, really, it's giving off blinding radiant rays of light, what some people would call effulgence. Effulgence is brightness taken to the extreme. You may be dazzled by it, stunned by it, or even overcome by it, usually used to refer to the sun or some other mega star. Effulgence can also be used figuratively. In verse three of uh, chapter one of Hebrews, we find the effulgence of God's love. We find the brightness, the most brightness of the brightest of anything that is bright that God can do, we find Jesus. And so if you're kind of struggling today and go, I don't know how this applies to my life this week. I really wanted Seth to give me a nugget. I needed a nugget to take home and, and who am I going to pray for? And who, how am I going to look Christian this week? Here it is. Stop letting all this stuff be more than Jesus. And I wrote down a bunch of stuff, um, the, the horoscopes. That's how we kind of look like the, the Jews for Jesus. I see everybody saying, well, I'm a Gemini and I'm a Taurus. And we make all of these things about stars and how we interpret them. And maybe they have some kind of application, but 
It's Jesus. We, we have Facebook tests that tell us what kind of toast we are. Um, we have idols in our life that we set up. We put presidents as the most important thing and what he says and puts on Twitter is more important than how we can show the effulgence of who Jesus is walking through our life. We have money, we have jobs. We have all of these angels in our life. We, they, we just don't call them angels. We have a lot of things that are no longer the supremacy of God's love in our life. And so these first three chapters of, uh, that are th first three verses of Hebrews are trying to set up with us that God speaks by Jesus and he is supreme. If you don't have a nugget to take home, that is your problem. <laughs> Jesus is supreme. And this is amazing, awesome news that the creator of everything who breathes stars thought it Maybe I need to give you a Jesus, and he did, and we don't deserve it. That's your nugget. It's not a nugget. It is everything, and it is the most important thing. And if we're to read the rest of this book, if we don't understand this, you've got to get a grasp of this. And so what do you do this week? Figure out what's number one in your life and move Jesus there. That's what you do this week. Let's pray. Lord, Thank you so much for your word. Lord, I, I pray that, that as we learn more and more about you, that we move all of our stuff more and more out of the way. There's so many things that we put as important in our life, Lord, and it should just be you. If we truly, truly believe that we're gonna spend a bazillion years with you, our life should look different. If you sent Jesus to die for our sins and we believe that our life should look different, Lord, let us put you as number one in our life. You're already there. Let us just, let us just admit to it. Let us just live like it. Help us to do that because it only can happen through you. You're the only one that can soften our hearts. You're the only one that can work through us to reach people for you. So Lord, as we go through this week and our town is filling with water, may you bring Jesus to light. May you be glorified in all of the mistakes we make, in all of the words we say, and all of the actions that we do, Lord. May you be glorified. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Thanks for joining us again for another sermon of the GEC podcast. Connect with us at GlasgowEC.com or every Sunday morning at 10 here in Glasgow, Montana. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes because this helps us share the word with more people. See you next week.